time to talk a little football right now with Riley Nelson, BYU football radio analyst joining us. Riley, good morning. Good morning, fellas. How are you? We're good. Is the glass half full or half empty with that win over Liberty? Did you want more style points and a bigger margin? Or they got a W, they went home with a W, and you don't care about the details? Yeah, um, well, so it's a half full for me, definitely. And uh, though, I got to say, going in, like, and I don't remember if I said this on your guys' show last week or not, but like when I popped on the tape of these guys, I was like, they're a better South Florida. And with a better quarterback and that, uh, you know, that wide receiver is a guy who's going to get a legitimate shot at the next level, including, you know, chance of being a, a draft pick. And then Hugh Freeze, you know, you look at his track record in the SEC, I, I don't know what the distinction was. I, the only coach to beat Nick Saban two out of three years or back-to-back years or something, but when he was Ole Miss, you know, he had a lot of success there. So I the, – the win was – about on par for me, I, and I do kind of feel like, look, Liberty got a little bit of a backdoor cover, and that most of the game was spent, you know, 12, 14, to 17 points, and it ended up at seven, uh, which was a little bit by design. BYU, I think, pulled off the gas a little bit. They didn't pressure as much on the defensive side of the ball and offensive side of the ball. You know, they were playing after those two turnovers, the fumble and the interception were playing a little bit con- more conservative down the stretch. So I-, I was happy with the win. I think Liberty deserves a lot of credit. Um, and, yeah, a, a bottom line is a win is a win. I, I don't get these, you know, the, the fans out there that might be saying that <laughs> watched them lose to Toledo and South Florida in heartbreaking fashion, giving up 10-point leads in the fourth quarter, and then they're going to complain about any uh, about how any game was won. They're freaking idiots, each and every one of them, Riley. Let me tell you that. <laughs> Your words, not mine. I can't take the Twitter abuse, so that's your words, not mine. I'm going to take it either way, so what the heck. I might as well get my money's worth. You know, I want to throw a theory by you and get your reaction to it. I think you're putting BYU sometimes in, in unusual, if not difficult, positions in that they're playing these teams that... They're on the other side of the country. They're probably not recruiting the same guys. There's no familiarity from one year to the next. You're basically throwing on game film starting on Sunday or Saturday of that week before proceeding playing them. And then you're supposed to know everything about them. Whereas if you're in a conference, you know, you recruit a lot of these kids and you've seen them in camps and whatnot. And then they've been in the program for a number of years and you're playing them each year most times. And so you don't have to start from scratch. But you're asking the BYU coaching staff, and it works both ways for Liberty too. It's not just a one-way deal. But you're asking these guys, all right, now become so intimately familiar with everything they do in a span of two days and present it to the players and then go out and have this great game plan. So I think in a sense that I agree with you in that it's a win. You didn't. You had no basis of a foundation of which to draw from, and then you move on to the next one. That's the way I see that. Yeah, you are, you're right on. That's really, I, I think that can be more of a scale in science. Something moves from a hypothesis to a theory to a law. I would say... You know, that's more than a theory. That's getting closer to a law because that is true. I, you know, I played two years in the Mountain West um, and, of course, was in a conference uh, in the WAC when I was at, at Utah State. But you're right. The approach, once you've gotten a conference play, and it, it goes everything from just personnel, right? Like the DM that the offensive tackle is going to be blocking, he faced last year. So he, he's already got that foundation of, oh, yeah, I remember him doing this move. He was really good here. He was weak here. You pop on the film and like, uh, oh, looks like he's gotten a little bit better here. 
all the way from there to the coordinators. The, the coordinators stay the same. The wide receivers coach is the same. So they're going to be coached the same way. We can know what the and we can we can counterattack for that. That familiarity cannot be uh, cannot be understated. And you look at teams' records. When, when do most upsets happen? And they happen in the first you know, two or three weeks of the college football season. And why why is that? I mean, generally across the board, maybe not the biggest, but just in general, the most teams that lose that shouldn't have lost. And the, the reason is because you're playing teams that you don't know and you're, and you're unfamiliar with. And that's essentially what BYU's entire season is, with, the, with a few exceptions, you know, getting Boise and Utah and Utah State and some of those other ones that have kind of been mainstays. But the vast majority of their schedule, they're getting their crack at it the first time. And in college football, if the team is, you know, is any good at all, anything can happen, as we saw with Toledo and South Florida. I've always thought one of the hardest things for coaches to do is to uh, analyze and judge the quarterbacks based on practice and the scrimmages because the quarterback isn't going to get hit and everybody knows it, so it isn't exactly the same thing. It's a little different playing quarterback when some 300-pounder can blow you up and fall on top of you. So now that you've seen all the BYU quarterbacks in game action, does it change the way you look at the way, the way you would adjust the depth chart if everybody were healthy at the same time, which they may not need to do just the way it's playing out? How would you, how would you handle the depth chart now that you've seen them all in action? Yeah, um, you're right in that practice is an extremely difficult evaluation. It was one that I uh, struggled with my entire career in that I worked hard in practice, and I was I was good in practice, you know. But I wasn't I wasn't like extraordinary. Nobody, you guys were there, and I probably you know you're I probably never dropped your jaw during a practice. I mean, I, but then I got in game, and it was like oh, what would have been a surefire sack, I was able to escape, extend the play, pick up you know, find someone downfield, or pick up something with my legs. So it's an extremely difficult evaluation because for quarterback position, because you are trying to protect them, and then just the nature of practice. Is not is not real football. You can learn a lot more, you know, about some technique and have a good idea how a receiver is going to do, how a DB is going to be able to cover, and even linemen, even though they're not taking each other to the ground, you know, based off some initial moves and and some of the hand technique and footwork, you can kind of know how they're going to be. But a quarterback standing in a protected pocket with an early whistle or going through majority seven on seven drills, it's extremely hard. So um, going back to the depth chart, it's it's difficult to make this evaluation. When practice comes on practice alone, because if you're going by game film, obviously the teams that Zach played against were completely different um, than the ones that Jaron and 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 maybe not by record and Baylor have faced. Maybe not by record, but just by you know height, weight, eye test, the type of recruits, the type of athletes they are, and all of those things. And so, and Zach, you know, he did well. If you look at his numbers. Against that that kind of a schedule, they were not they were not lackluster. I know the offense as a whole maybe it, it has picked up significantly, but I don't think that that's due a hundred percent to the quarterback position. So, and you guys were just talking about the Jazz before I hopped on. Jerry Sloan kind of had an axiom that uh, you know no starter should should lose his job to injury. He should at least be given the opportunity to come back and reestablish himself as a starter. Now maybe he's got a little bit quicker a little bit of a shorter leash, a quicker hook. But that's how I approach it is once Zach's healthy, you get him out there and you allow him 
you know, you're allowing the show that that he still is the, the number one player on the depth chart, which he earned last year and through this offseason, and the only reason why he's not playing is due to injury. And then it should come down from there uh, between Baylor and Jaron, you know, two concussions in as many games for Jaron Hall. Uh, that raises some safety concerns, and it also raises some durability concerns because that hit he took against Utah State was was a pretty, you know, average hit. And so it, you started the coaching staff. Obviously, you feel for the kid, and he's dealing with health issues. But man, do you really want to put another guy out there that the first, you know, hit to the head he takes? He, he you risk having to take him out of the ball game, right? You've invested all those, you've invested all the reps in him in practice throughout the entire week. And then he takes a hit in the second quarter and, and he's got to come out again. And you've got to put in another guy who wasn't prepared for that week. So, I, you know, that, as far as that backup goes, probably, I'd probably go Zach Baylor because he's more durable. He's proven he's capable, decisive, efficient, all those things. I think he gives Zach the chance above him because I do think just the eye test and you can see in practice, he maybe has a little bit more of the skill set. But you got to understand that, you know, that skill set only matters if you're executing and being productive with the offense, which you assume Zach will be. So, I, long or long answer, but I think you go Wilson, Romney, and Hall, and not because Hall has not earned it or not played. Man, you look at the time that he's been in, he's been extremely productive from a total yard standpoint and efficiency standpoint, both passing and rushing. He's an amazing player, but it's just the question mark surrounding his health is maybe why you bump him down to, I won't even say a three, I'll say a 2B. Okay, with that in mind on this one, you know, we talked about uh, not blowing out uh, Liberty. I mean, they've, they've got to win comfortably on this one, don't they? Yes. Good. <laughs> you back with us, Riley? Riley? Yeah, sorry. We cut out in the middle of PJ's uh, – sorry, cut out in the middle of TK's uh, question. You said something. We talked about not blowing out Liberty, and then that's where I lost you. you got to blow out Idaho State, don't you? Oh, yeah, no question. Um, the Idaho State is – look, if they were playing Weaver State, it would be a different question, right? Because that program and the way they're playing football yeah. is is tremendous. And um, But Idaho State is not on that caliber. And regardless of the ups and downs and the struggles, I mean, you look at Idaho State, you pop the film on. It was like against Liberty. You pop the film on, and I was like, man, this seems like a better South Florida. BYU lost to South Florida. You pop the team on – uh, or you fought the film on against Idaho State, and you're like, yeah, this is a this is an FCS team and an FCS team that is struggling. They're searching for answers. They don't they don't really have athletes um, and no real foundation to be able to compete with you. So yeah, this is one. This has got to be a 28 plus point win. Riley Nelson joining us right here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Uh, any young guys who might play in a blowout like this that you're excited to see? Guys who you think uh, maybe have been buried, haven't gotten the opportunity, but this will be our chance. We'll start figuring out who these guys are for the future. <laughs> with the way that BYU's um, dealt with injuries, that we've actually already had that chance. You know, the emergency of the NFC now, you see Blake Freeland on the offensive line. You've seen, you know, didn't think like Shaman Willis at corner was going to play a lot. You've seen a lot of him. Um, so there, there's not really that many guys uh, left on the depth track. That said, uh, I saw on Twitter, I can't remember who was reporting it, but they said Troy Rollins and Chris Wilcox will, get, will be back for this game. So those are, you know, those slated to be starting corners for them uh, going into the season. And of course, they've both been dealing with significant injuries. Uh, you know, they're basically foot and ankle injury. So excited to see them get back and get in their first action. Um, the, the linebacker crew, a lot have played there. 
Um, but I think there's some, some younger dudes who have been listed on the two deep that haven't really got in um, that, I, that I think will get in. Like Drew Jensen's a guy like that, and he, and he might play at safety. They are simulating in the backfield, in the defensive backfield, with um, Diane Gunwalaku and Austin Lee. So it'll be interesting to see what young guy, and we haven't really seen much um, too many other players play at safety. So it'll be interesting to see that, you know what young guys they throw in at safety, and um, and then you look on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe the only player that I we haven't seen from that I'd like to see from is Keanu Hill. He obviously highly touted, showed a lot during fall camp, struggled with staying healthy, but uh, you know everyone's excited about his future. So uh, the new redshirt rule certainly makes for more entertaining games like this where you can play a lot of those young players but know you're not burning a year. Riley, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.